God, let us go into this time of your word with that thought in our heart that we surrender to your ways and we surrender to what you want to say this morning. And uh, we just pray that the Holy Spirit will use the words that Trent says to change our hearts and get inside of us. And uh, we don't walk out of here the same as what we came, Lord. We just pray your spirit blesses him, bless his words, keep his mind clear, and um, let your word go forth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Girls and ladies, do me a favor. Put your hands up in the air. Keep them up for a sec. I don't do this very often. Now go like this over in that direction. There's a new bathroom over there for you. <laughs> we have the occupancy permit. It only took us 13 years to get there. Uh, and I did go in before it was legal for anyone to use it. I left the door open. It's beautiful. I flushed. Everything works. So um, I want to thank CL Construction. They did a great job. Uh, and kept it nice and clean. It didn't really disturb a whole bunch of stuff around here. They give us a great deal on it. Also like to uh, those that donated, this didn't come out of budget. This was just people that said, we've been needing this. We want to make this happen. So some particular donors donated all the money to make that happen. I just want to say publicly thank you to them. A uh, couple of quick things. The green sheet here, uh, it says 2018 year to date. We do know that we're in 2019. That's just a typo. The other thing is that on the Mem uh, the new members class. I don't know if you noticed that, but we're not creating memes. It just, it, it, if you want to investigate membership here, um, that's what that's for. And then the final thing, uh, I'm going to shamelessly promote my wife. Uh, Lynn has a concert tonight with her singing partner, Pam, and her Hope College mentee, uh, Kennedy. Uh, it's a long way away, so don't feel obligated, but I just feel like I need to tell you that she's got this thing going on at Hope Reform Church in South Haven tonight at 6 o'clock. If you're looking for a nice drive on this dreary day, come on down to Hope Church. We'd love to see you there. Uh, they're going to be doing just original music that Lynn has written um, over the last couple of decades. So it's only be a three, three and a half hour concert. So oh, one hour, we're good. Uh, we're in Luke 13. And I think, did you guys get that fixed or does it still say 12 up on the screen? You got it? Thank you. Um, and I got to say, as, as the person who... Uh, is the primary mouthpiece on Sunday mornings. I mean, three out of four Sundays, I'm up here, and it's my job. You, you've, you've set me aside to study the Scriptures, to work on them till they work on me, and then bring what God has worked on to you. So, but there, there are always, because we, we often do what we call, what the theologians call Lectio Continua, where we will, um, we'll, we'll find a book of Scripture, and we'll just kind of walk through it. Uh, there are always weeks in a row where as a preacher, you're like, man, that last week was kind of tough. The week before was kind of tough again. Because every now and then you want to go happy, happy, joy, joy. Um, that's not today. Last week was kind of tough. The week before that was kind of tough. This whole segment of the gospel according to Luke. And I want, I want, to, I want to put it into perspective for you a little bit. Jesus is, I mean, we, we hear three years of his, of his ministry. His, his ministry, his adult ministry lasted about three years. Luke um, is very clear and very clever on how he lines it all up, but much of Luke is the last few weeks. I mean, there's the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and then he went around towns and villages, towns and villages, and then there's this He's days away from going to Jerusalem where he's going to be tried, beaten, tried, convicted, beaten, slaughtered, crucified, buried, and then resurrect. So think about it this way. If you have a wayward child 
um, someone you really deeply love and you knew that in the next week or two, you're going to die, wouldn't you go to whatever extent you needed to go to, to call that person to say, just know how much I love you, how much I want the best for you, and even be willing to say some difficult things because it's the last chance you have. That's kind of what's going on here with Jesus. He's, he's saying some hard things, and he's saying them to people who think they're all good. They think they're all set because they have the right ancestry, because they've been, the right, they've been to the right synagogues, they've been to the right shuls, they've been to the, they, they, they're the right kind of people. They have their lineage, their bloodline says that God made promises to them, and those promises are for them, for, for, to Abraham and all of his offspring. So they're, it's not that they think they're coasting, they're just pretty sure that the way they see it is the way God sees it. And in order for God to do his kingdom work, he's going to do it in the context that they've set for God. And Jesus, who is God, God made flesh, is telling them that their context is wrong. And so as a preacher, like, man, it'd be nice to say something really sweet, but we also believe that the scripture isn't, the scripture is the word of God, but Jesus didn't just speak the word of God. He is the incarnate, the blood, God made flesh word of God. And so if he has to say it to them, he has to say it to us. And we believe that, that Scripture interprets Scripture. So if something seems to contradict something else, we're supposed to look at the predominant witness of Scripture to understand. And we also believe that Scripture means what it meant. And so if it meant something to them, it might mean the same, it means the same thing to us as long as we can understand the context. So I'm going to give you a couple of, couple of verses to, to, to try to kind of get you in the right mindset set to hear, because this could, this, this could feel damnable. And that's not the intent. It's, it's Jesus trying to communicate to people, you don't get to do it your way. You do it my way. But so here's a passage from uh, the author of Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, 1, 2, and 3. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those are the people who have, who have gone before us, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or from here, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, people that were, that were believers before, um, they're watching. I don't know how, it, how that works in the heavenlies. I don't know. But therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us consider him who endured such hardship from sinful men so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, I'm going to reread that verse in the way that our culture would read it. Therefore, it does not matter what anyone said before. Let us change nothing about ourselves. Continue on in whatever we want because nothing is really wrong. Let us run the race that we mark out for ourselves as long as it's convenient. And let us consider that Jesus was a nice teacher who was loving and accepting to everyone. And let's, when we think about when life gets hard, let's think about Jesus on occasion. That is not what this passage says. It matters who we come from. And it matters that we fix our eyes, that we, we throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. 
that we're supposed to run with perseverance, not our race, but the race that's marked out for us. So it's Jesus who seeks us out. It's Jesus that calls us to himself, but we have a response. In fact, there's a passage in scripture that says, Paul talks and he says, continue to work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. For it is God who works, wills and acts in us according to his good purpose. So is it, is it me working out my salvation or is it God willing and acting in me according to his good purpose? Yes. And I'm not saying that my, my salvation is not dependent on me. It, it, I, it's nothing I've done. I, can't, I, don't, I don't have it because I'm good. I have it because Jesus gave it. But we must recognize that the scripture says that no one seeks God, not even one. And uh, that the wages of sin, what we earn from our sin is death, eternal separation from him. So uh, no one, if no one seeks God and no one is good, then if there's any sense of wanting to turn toward God, because Jesus says, if you seek, you will find, then God's already seeking you. That's why we baptize infants, because God is the one who initiates faith. So if you have ever had a sense that, that, that you want to know what God has to say, that you want to know God himself, you can be rest assured that God is already working in you. And he will carry on to completion the good work of salvation that he's already begun in you. So I'm not saying that you get to decide you're saved or not, but there is a human response necessary. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. And I'm going to tell you the Greek there, heart, it's not just, oh, it's just kind of a tender thing. It's to the core of your being with everything you have. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And English is limited there because it sounds like it's a future tense thing. It doesn't say that you have been saved if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. I know I'm talking fast. It's on purpose for a moment because we're going to saw down right now. If you confess, if you are confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are in the present and ongoing state of having been saved. Oswald Chambers, the author of a wonderful, wonderful devotional called My Utmost for His Highest. It's very heady, it's very sticky, it's very thick. And if you read it in the original English that you wrote it in, I like it that way because you actually have to parse it out to really get what he's saying. And this man was so wise. It just so, he prepared people for the ministry and for mission work. Such a wise man, just a great. And I always picture that he was like 80, 84. He's an octogenarian theolog, theological guru. Turns out he died when he was like 35 years old. This man knew the Lord better than I will ever know the Lord. But someone asked him one time, Professor Chambers, when did you, first, when did you become a Christian? You know what his answer was? Oh, you mean the first time? See, our faith is confessional. It's ongoing. It's not once and for all. And I'm not saying that you lose your salvation. I became a Christian August 5th, 1981. That's Kyle Borst's actual birthday, by the way. I was born again, and he was born on the same day. I'm not saying you can lose it. But I am saying that Jesus loves you just the way you are, and he's not going to leave you that way. And the process by which he does not leave you that way, you're supposed to cooperate with. Keeping those ideas in mind, that it's the race he marked out for us, that we throw off our sin and, the, and whatever entangles, that, that we keep our eyes fixed on him and that we, that we look at his suffering so that we don't grow weary when things get hard. Well, the context of this particular passage, Jesus at the beginning of this passage, so someone goes, did you hear what, 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 what so-and-so did? And he goes, look, if you think for one moment that those people that died 
are more sinful than you, you're wrong. Repent or perish. And what about these people? Well, if you think for one minute that those people were more sinful than you, you're wrong. Repent or perish. If you've kind of got it in your head that you're better off than other people, you're wrong. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then, then there's this passage of this woman who, who, who Jesus healed. Um, she's been attacked and her body's just been riddled with attack for 18 years. And she shows up and asks Jesus to heal her. And he does. And the Pharisees, the religious good people of the time, they're livid. And they say, look, there are six days in a week that you can come and get healed. The Sabbath isn't for that. And Jesus goes, you hypocrites. I don't know about you, but if, if Jesus himself were up on the stage and he walked up to you and he said, hypocrite, look at my, no way Lynn is a hypocrite. But if he, if Jesus himself says, you hypocrite, ah, I don't want to hear that. It's kind of pokey. He goes, you, you, you'll untie your ox so it can, on a Sabbath, so it can graze out and eat. And I can't, are you kidding me? And then he uses these two parables, the yeast and the, and the, and the mustard seed. Um, and he's used those before. He says, beware the yeast of the Pharisees. And because when they get in and they make you think a certain way and you get a little legalistic and then you get all about religion and you're not about, or you're all about traditionalism and not about, about, about what God wants. And he's used the, the, the mustard seed idea too. And he says, you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, arise and jump into the sea and it will obey you. He's telling us there that, that just a, that tiny little seed of faith that God gives to you, he plants in you. It's like kudzu, man. You're not ever getting rid of it. It will take over. It will grow slowly, but it will grow. He's saying the same thing here, but not in a positive way, in the negative. He talks about a widow or a woman who, who, had, who had 50 pounds of flour and she took a little pinch of yeast and put it in and kneaded it all through the dough. What's going to happen to that dough? Once that yeast foments, it's going to rise. What happens when you plant, when a mustard plant gets in your garden? It will take over. You need napalm to make it go away. Jesus is saying to them, your view of the kingdom of heaven is wrong. You think that it's going to come and happen all at once, that this Messiah that you've always been thinking of is going to come in on a white horse and he's going to knock down Caesar and get rid of Rome and then you with him are going to rule the world, that you'll be over everyone else and everyone else will be under you. That idea that it's going to happen all at once is wrong. It's going to be slow and deliberate and your Messiah is going to be a suffering servant, not a majestic king. And he says the same thing to us, folks. We think we've got to figure it out how God's going to work. We think we've got to figure it out what's going on in our country, what's going on in our world, and when he's coming. We, there are even theologians that start doing all the math and they say, Jesus, coming back in September of whatever. And, and we're wrong every time. Because we think that God's job is to fit our context instead of this thing that he says next. How whatever your context is, you've got it wrong. Because we have expectations and we've all been raised up the right way and we have the right friends and we know the right things and we have the right habits and we have, and the wrong habits, we, we don't let anyone know we have them. There's an old, I was a Christian reform pastor for a long time, it's an old Christian reform joke. How many Christian reformers do you take fishing with you? One or two? If you take one, he'll drink all the beer. If you take two, they won't drink any. Okay, I'm not mocking. It was, it was, I, I said, when I was a Christian Reformed pastor in a Christian Reformed church, said the same joke, so I'm not coming down on them. I loved serving that. For 20, 21 years, I served that denomination and, 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 and loved it like I love the one I'm in now. But there is something about, okay, we've, we, we've got this picture that we paint for everybody, 
And then there's the picture that we paint when we're by ourselves. Which one's real? Yes. Jesus was going, Jesus went through the towns and the villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem, heading toward his death. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? Now, I, I'm, I'm going to be metaphorical here. This is just the picture I have. It's like the rich young, the rich young man. Um, I, whatever the, the, the first century version of this with tunics and cloaks, but he's got the right suit. He's, he's about the size of Jimmy Fallon in my head. And he's got the, the, slim, the slim fit suit that I can't pull off. But you know, the one, they're a little too short for those of us that are Gen Xers. The, the coats are a little too short because they're supposed to kind of land right here. And they're a little too short. When they button them up, it always looks like if they do this, you know. And slim cut pants. And they've got the cool, and it's a dark suit. And he's got the brown, the light brown uh, shoes with a dark brown front. I mean, he looks put together. He's got an iPhone 10, big one, plus. And he's just, religiously speaking, this guy's got it put together. And he knows he comes from Abraham, from Isaac, and from Jacob. He knows his lineage. He's got this figured out. And he just wants this rabbi to tell him, yeah, we all know you're in, but yeah, there's just a few. It's not going to be everybody. It's just a few. And Jesus does what Jesus does. He doesn't answer his question. He over answers his question. And this is what he says. He said to them, make every effort. This is your dependent upon you. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, and you stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you'll say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. And when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out, people will come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, indeed there will be those who are last, Excuse me. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and the first will be last. So did he tell this guy that just a few, or did he tell this guy that many? Yes. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, but there will be people from the east and the west and the north and the south. So I'm going to tell you, folks, as good religious people, I hate the term good Christian, but we all kind of have this in our head. We have the right friends. We, have the, we do the right things. We, we go to church the right amount of time. Probably not as much as our parents would have wanted, but, but you know, there's vacations and soccer. We got it. Um, so we, we got to figure it out when we kind of weigh ourselves against and, and above other people. We're, we're, we're not as bad as others, and we're a little bit better than some. And okay, we got this. If you think that the door is narrow, it's wider than you think. There will be people that vote differently than you do, that make it in. There will be people that come from denominations that run around and speak in languages that none of us understand that make it in. But there will also be, if you think it's narrow, it's wider than you think. If you think it's wide, it's much narrower than you think. There are people sitting in this room that according to scripture, aren't going to be in there. 
even though you go to church, even though when you travel, you bring back a, a bulletin and you give it to the pastor to prove that you went to church, even though you just snuck in for a minute, grabbed the bulletin and left on Monday. See, he says, if you think that others are worse than you, you're wrong. Repent or perish. He says that the kingdom of God is going to grow. He says that the faith in you is going to grow. Is it growing? Are you changing? If you believe that you're all good, you're wrong. If you believe that you're unsavable, you're wrong. He says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. You know what the narrow door is? Behold, I stand at the door, says Jesus, and knock. Open, he comes into you. But you notice what this, the owner closes the door and then we stand. I don't know you. So it's either we come on our terms in our time or we come on his term and his time. There is no other way. If it's wide, it's because anyone who's confessing the name of Jesus and believing that God has done what he's done through him, we are in the continuing ongoing process of having been saved. It's open to all. But if we think it's only open to some, then it's probably not open to us because we think if it's on my goodness, my merit, my accomplishment, my goodness, and none of us would say it, but many of us behave as if it's dependent upon me, and it is. It's dependent upon you to participate in the work God wants to do. So I'm called, as you are, to throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles. I'm called, as you are, to run with perseverance the race, not that I mark out for myself, but that he marked out for you. How are we doing? See, I believe the scripture tells me that Jesus isn't kidding. And he's got days before he goes to slaughter. And he's saying to the very people he came to save, I'm not kidding. It's not what you think it is. Being a good religious person does nothing. I spent every single day, I'm in my garage. It doesn't make me a car. And if you're in church every week, doesn't make you a follower of Christ. What does? Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no one comes to the Father ex except through me. And I stand at the door and knock. And if you open and receive me, you will be in the present and ongoing state of having been saved. So folks, the narrow door is here for a reason. And I'm going to ask you to examine yourself. 
Are you relying on your own? Are you coming to Jesus on your terms? Are you marking out the race that you're running with perseverance? Are you running the race that's been marked out for you? Now, I've said this to you before, and I'm going to say it one more time today. It'll probably come up again in the future. But the day you meet Jesus face-to-face, where every tongue will confess and every knee will bend, it is way better to bend it voluntarily than to be forced to your knees. But you cannot and will never face judgment and say, if he, and I don't think he asked this question, why should I let you in to my heaven? You don't go, look what I've done. You know how audacious and arrogant that would be? But don't we sometimes live as if God owes us because of the good things that we've accomplished? The only thing we can say is because of what you've done for me, in me, and through me. See, folks, I don't want you to be knocking and have him say, get away from me. I don't know you or who you come from. So if you've got this idea, I'm a Christian, my parents are Christian, my great-grandparents are Christian, it's great that they've come, they've gone before you and that they love Jesus and they, lo- they still love him, even though they're, they're not here on this earth anymore. If they've gone to be with Jesus, they still love him. But you don't get to rely on their faith. You get to walk through the door yourself. Have you and are you and will you again? Because our faith is confessional. I've become a Christian hopefully every day since August 5th, 1981. Saved once for all, but every day, every day, I have to give myself back to him and receive from him the race, the map marked out for me. Have you walked through the narrow door? Are you walking through the narrow door? And as far as it depends on you, will you walk through the narrow door again and again and again and again and again? This isn't to make you afraid of your salvation. It's to allow you to see what Jesus is saying. I want what's best for you today and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. There are no laurels that we can rest on. So in a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray it. I'm going to pray it myself. I'm going to mean it. And if you need to substitute woman for man, you know, because I'm going to be praying I'm a sinful man. And if you're not a sinful man, but you're a sinful woman, feel free. If you want to pray along with me, you don't have to pray it out loud. It's between you and God. And the only person that knows if you're right with God when you walked in here is you. The only person that will know if you're right or not right with God when you walk out of here is you. It's not between me and you. It's between you and God. I pray that you will understand that it's not a long road back. He says, if you think that these people are more evil than you, you're wrong. Just repent and perish. Repent is walk, stop walking the direction you're walking, turn around, and go back in the other direction. And if God's the center of the, of the universe, any way you walk is just away from him, unless you're walking toward him. And some of us believe a lie that that. that that Beelzebub wants us to believe. Man, I've been walking away a long time. It's a long way back. 
lie from the pit of hell. Because you'll find that when you're walking away and you stop and you go, Lord, I, I blew it. I blew it. I have so, oh my goodness, is my life awful without you. And you turn around. He's been seeking you, pursuing you, following you the whole way. And he's right there. As soon as you turn around, the first face you'll see is his. He will embrace you. And he will walk with you wherever you need to go for the rest of your life. But you must embrace him and not resist him. That is salvation. Let's pray. God, you are almighty. And I am not. But I confess that I try to be the God of my own little world. And I keep messing it up. So, Lord, I'm just going to admit that I'm a sinful man. And I'm doomed without you. I'm asking you to forgive me. And you tell me that you will. So I receive for myself the forgiveness for my sins. And I receive for myself the righteousness of Christ. So that from now on, you don't see me, sinner. You see me, saint. I ask for your Holy Spirit to dwell within me from the tips of my toes to the top of my head. And Lord, I ask you to give me the courage to become the man that you've created me to be, to walk daily with you, to do my best to be faithful and not fearful, to be selfless and not selfish. I pray this in Jesus' name who died for me, for his sake and for your glory. Amen. Lynn leans over in the, in the, in the, during the, that song and she goes, just occurred to me that that narrow door is the door to the grave. Out of the grave. It's a coffin. We're dead in our transgressions. But we got to come through that door into life. The life is him. So make every effort to enter life through the narrow door. Come out of death into life. The old is gone. The new has come. How do you, what is every effort? Do I have to do, 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 do? No, because you look back and all you did was a lot of. Romans 12 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God has never changed his mind, never changed his call, never asked you to do anything that isn't consistent with the word of God that was Jesus and the word of God that is scripture. If we just say, yes, Lord, then we get to become the people he's called us to be. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. The Lord give you his face and smile at you and give you peace. And all of God's people say, amen. Go with and in the peace of Christ.